I love how the digital age has made information so easily accessible. Now I can keep learning from the comfort of my own home, whether it's for academics or my personal hobbies. With Globe Prepaid's GoPlus99 GoLearn, you can now continue your Project Loving Myself journey with more ease. With 99 pesos, you can have 16 GB of data that you can use to access educational sites such as YouTube Learning, Udemy, Google Suite, Educacion, and Canva. And on top of that, you get unlimited text to all networks. Go plus 99 with GoLearn. You get a total of 16 GB of data. That's 8 GB to browse sites for what you need and 8 GB of data for apps that you love. You also get unlimited text to all networks valid for seven days. To register, grab your mobile phones now and head on to the Globe One app, Gcash, or dial star 143 pound on your phone. Break free and take charge of your life when you keep learning with Globe Prepaid. Podcast Network Asia. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Whoever is pushing your buttons, whether it's your colleague, your boss, or your subordinate, they are there to help you change something in yourself. It may be your style of communication. It may be your anger issues. It may be your sense of entitlement, or maybe you're giving them a sense of entitlement and you need to stop doing that, right? But whatever it is, it is perfect for you. And you need to identify what they are doing in your life. Like what are they triggering and why? You're listening to Project Loving Myself Podcast a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hello, peeps. How many of you are excited about the holidays? I love the holiday season. Any chance to celebrate? And you know that's going to make me happy. This holiday season, I'm going to go back home to Dubai to visit my parents who I've not seen in two years. I've even had a baby who's now six months old and they've not even seen her thanks to the pandemic. 
So it's going to be a much awaited reunion. What are your plans for the holiday season? I did a bit of introspection to start setting up my goals for next year, and I can't wait to implement it so that I can start the year rolling. So in case you haven't thought about 2022 yet, this is your reminder to start thinking about it. I like to reverse engineer my goals. So I start with where I want to see myself and then I figure out what I need to do. What are the steps that I need to take to get there? Perhaps there's some classes I need to take. Perhaps there are some uh, things that I need to set up for myself. Now for next year, I'm working on instilling some habits in my life that will make me more disciplined so that I can get a lot more done in a lot less time. Spending time is really my forte. Our guest today is someone who is so great at doing a lot of things. Not only is she eloquent and knowledgeable, but with over two decades and a half of experience under her belt, renowned news anchor Ria Tanwatko Trilio has covered a wide range of journalistic beats. Ria had her beginnings in television as a roving reporter covering the 60th UAAP basketball games in 1997 and various basketball leagues. Expanding the horizons of her career, she went to sharing entertainment and lifestyle stories and took up the gauntlet of delivering the hard news. She co-anchored the award-winning evening news program News Central for ABS-CBN Studio 23 for six years. Rhea was then an anchor for ABS-CBN News Channel from 2010 to 2016 and hosted Shop Talk. She has been a morning news anchor for CNN Philippines since 2018. But aside from being a news anchor, she is someone who has a great relationship with her spirituality. She also became a Spirituality for Kids teacher and spirituality instructor at Kabbalah Center with her goal being to inspire others with the same confidence that she received from the study and practice of Kabbalah. Ria is also a part-time entrepreneur, a loving wife to her husband, Luigi, and the best mom to her four children. So let me welcome her onto our show. Thank you for joining me on Project Loving Myself, Ria. Good to see you. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. I'm I'm really, really honored. I'm so happy to have you, Ria, because I think I'm going to get to learn a lot from you. It's really great when I have guests who have um, different things that they have a lot of experience in, they have a lot of knowledge about, and things that not only I can learn from, but I can also share to our listeners. So this is actually going to be a very interesting episode, I'm sure. Yep, looking forward. So Ria, I want to start with talking a little bit about news, which is obviously your forte. What has it been like for you to report news in the Philippines? Is it very political? Do you kind of have carte blanche to say what you want? Or do you get censored? Well, okay, amazing questions. Well, you know, the past almost two years has really been intense in the news business, I I would say. First of all, you know, we're reporting on the most important story of our lifetime, which is the pandemic, right? Which, which you know, is still very much making its presence felt, right? Um, and then, of course, you ask about politics and, you know, it is election season already in the Philippines, even though elections aren't until May of next year. Um, right. And that's always a very, very interesting, colorful, uh, controversial, divisive topic, um, especially in the Philippines, right? Um, do we get censored? 
in my experience, thankfully, no, right? Um, but we don't have carte blanche to say whatever we want to say because our role primarily as journalists um, is to deliver facts, right? To deliver facts and not opinions. Um, we deliver facts, hopefully with context, right? And hopefully the facts together with the context is what gives people an ability to decide for themselves, right? What they want to do, what decisions they want to make based on, on what's happening in the world around them. Um, but yeah, you know, censorship is a problem. Um, I, like I said, I've, I've not really experienced it myself. Um, but, you know, among journalists, there is a sort of feeling that you want to be a little careful, right? So there is a little bit of like trepidation when you're talking about things that might stir up um, people or might stir up debates. Is there that kind of also sort of pressure hanging over you when, when you're delivering the news? Yeah, I wouldn't call it that happened. But, you know, especially at, at CNN, we really pride ourselves on the reputation that we've built and people trust us and they trust us to be impartial. Now, as human beings, we're never impartial, right? I mean, journalists, reporters, writers, they're probably the most opinionated people I've ever met, um, <laughs> truth be told. But the fact yeah. is, if you want your public to trust you, you have to be sure you're delivering on the facts, no matter what side you see yourself on. So for us, it's really about a very rigorous checking of facts and make sure that we're not misquoting people or taking people out of context. So CNN, by the way, is one of my favorite um, news channels. That's the one I actually listen to um, and watch. And I'm always kind of checking, scrolling down, and I, I, I read what's on my app all the time. So that's where I go to for my news. Having said that, over the last year, right, the year and a half with the pandemic, um, I've noticed that in an effort to report what is the breaking news, you know, with the pandemic... It has also roused a lot of fear, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety uh, among people. There's, I mean, I, I'm a, someone who works with people through coaching, through issues like anxiety, depression, and lots of different mental health problems. And a lot of it seems to be coming from information that's out there, which people don't know what to do with. Right? And it's creating a lot of stress. What are your thoughts about that, Ria? I mean, considering your on the side of reporting this information, how do you feel about this? Yeah, you know, people say, you know, the internet is good. No, the internet is bad. It's neither of those things. It's what are you using it for? What is the consciousness of the person who is creating that content, right? Um, and, you know, some of us are content creators, others may not be, but we're all consumers, right? And, in the same way that, you know, I'm sure you're pretty conscious about the type of food you consume, we all need to be really conscious about the kind of media we consume. There is just so much of it. It is so out there. It is so in our face. It is frankly so addicting. Um, you know, you really, really have to be careful and, and choose, you know, what, what really is a reliable source? Is it a random rant on Facebook? Is it some video posted by some person I don't even know? Right? Like, where is the information coming from? And, um, 
you know, I guess having the work background that I have, it always makes me check. So it actually infuriates me when people on, you know, Viber groups that I'm on, they just keep forwarding stuff and forwarding it and forwarding, you know, and I'm like, please check where it came from. Um, Especially at the start of the pandemic, there was so much fear and so much uncertainty. And it was a lot of it was being fueled by this information going around that was, you know, unverified, and it still continues up to now. So for me, you know, there's, there's really no policing it right now, right? There's not enough legislation in place. There's just you know, we have to police ourselves and what we consume and who we trust with the facts. Um, for me at this point, that that's the only solution I see. Yeah, I totally hear you. Honestly, it's my pet peeve when I see people posting all these like it's like rumor mongering or they like, you know, have all these like scary like, you know, information that, you know, I mean, for me, it's like obvious. It's not rooted in fact, but it gets passed around. And I'm the one who's always like, guys, can you check your information? Or I'll find the article that says it's a hoax. Right. And, you know, I think it's it's so interesting that we actually have to police our chats, police like ourselves, because there really is that sense of accountability or responsibility that's missing when it comes to passing information on. And I do think it's a real problem. Yeah. Right. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. For sure. Now, for people who can handle information, I do see how that information makes their life better. They make better decisions. But for those people who can't handle it, right, it causes fear, it causes stress, you know, they just kind of want to run away from the situation. I usually tell them just don't watch the news or, you know, look for for happy stories, things that actually might make you feel a little bit more uplifted. Would you say, Ria, that you agree with that? Is that a good way to approach information? Absolutely. If you can identify your trigger, and you know, that's going to set you off and take you to a bad, a bad place, then just stop, refrain from consuming that, you know, um, of course that takes a certain amount of self-awareness. Um, and like I said, social media is completely addicting. Um, so it, it takes effort to do that, but you know, if it's for the sake of, of your well-being, absolutely. And, and, you know, another thing is also anybody can be a content creator. And if you want more positive things to be put out there in that space, go create that content. Right. Um, 
you know, Maria Ressa in her speech um, when she accepted uh, the Nobel Peace Prize, she said, we are responsible for creating the world that we want, right? So if you're sick of all the negative stuff that's in cyberspace, then go out there and create something good, something that's true, something that's helpful, right? And that's the whole thing of be the change, right? That you want to see in the world. I know that's a quote that you like to, you like to say as well. Um, and it's something I do believe in. But speaking of Maria Ressa winning the Nobel Peace Prize, how do you think that changes things for reporters here in the Philippines? You know, the first thing she said in her speech was, I stand here and I represent every journalist, uh, in the world, right? And I can't speak for others, but I certainly felt that. Um, and, I think it was such a beautiful and um, incredibly powerful affirmation of not just the work she's doing, but the things that she stands for. You know, um, right now, the Philippines is so divided politically. But, you know, to get an award like this really just highlights what the problems are in the Philippines and 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 what we're facing, right? Um, it's an acknowledgement um, and an affirmation of that. So, I mean, I I, I was thrilled and probably a, a little misty eyed when I got the news that oh. that she won because she she deserves it more than anyone, really, really. She is such yeah. a courageous individual. Absolutely. And it's people like this, I think, who will lead the change or inspire more change. So speaking from your perspective, Ria, was that an affirmation for you as well that, you know, you might take some different steps? Like, was there anything in you that felt needed to change because of what you were seeing happening outside of you with, you know, Maria Ressa getting that recognition or that affirmation, as you said, for every journalist here and seeing that there are these issues here in the Philippines. What did it mean for you personally? Well, I really felt that she gave everybody, journalist or not, a lot of hope um, that, like she said, you know, we, we create the world that we want. We have to hold the line. And for me, her winning that just strengthened that message. Cause I mean, those are things that I've always held close to my heart anyway. Um, you know, I, I don't always speak up, right. But when something, I know that something has really hit me when I don't even think twice about having to speak up. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, when, when it comes to, to certain issues and certain facts that people deny, I will hold the line, <laughs> right? I'm not going to give people what they want to hear. Um, I'm not going to, um, certainly not going to revise history for anyone. Right. Right. You know, this uh, reminds me of something very interesting that happened to me a couple of days ago. So a friend of mine sent me a message. It was like a post from some other, um, some other person on Instagram. And she said, you know, what do you think of this? So I read what was on the post and, you know, the, the person who had posted said, you know, speak what you want, you know, doesn't matter what other people say, you know, fuck them, just say it, you know, just speak up and like, don't care about what they will say, what they will feel. You need to speak your truth and speaking your truth is just about saying what you want to say. And it was like almost like a little bit of a tirade. And I was thinking, you know, as I was reading this, I was like, okay, this is very interesting because if I was the type of person who didn't speak up, you know, who didn't really have my voice, then this would inspire me maybe to take that step forward. But being the person that I am, who is a communicator, who does, you know, who's worked on learning to speak my own truth. For me, it's like, wait a minute, that's way too much. We need to learn when to speak, 
how much to speak, what's appropriate. We need to consider the feelings of the other person. You know, there's a lot more going on in communication. And so what I explained to, to this friend of mine who, who sent me this, she's like, you know, what do you think? Is this what you believe in? And I said, you know, it's like different strokes for different folks. It depends where you are on your own journey. And that message may hold true for you, but not for somebody else. You know, somebody who's already communicating maybe needs to learn to do it with more compassion, with more consideration. And someone who doesn't speak up maybe needs to just try to use their voice. Um, so I do believe that depending on where we are in our journey, we have different lessons and different things that might challenge us. What are your thoughts about that, Ria? Oh, I agree with you a thousand percent. Um, you know, I, I love everything that you said. And, you know, something that I, I learned a lot in my studies in Kabbalah is it's consciousness is everything right? You could have two people carrying out the same action, saying the same words even, but with a different consciousness. And the effect of each would be different because the consciousness is different, right? Um, and you're right. Some people do need to learn to speak up and stand up for themselves. And that message is probably for them to not be afraid, right? But other people, I mean, I know tons of people who talk way too much, and, you know, they have to learn how to zip it. And I don't want to know, like, you know, every time your brain farts, I don't have to hear it. Right. Um, right. So, yeah, it, it depends exactly where you are on your journey, what you have to say. Why are you saying it? You know, why are why are you sharing it? And the Kabbalists say something um, which is which is really remarkable. And, and I'm not saying that I'm able to live by this, but the Kabbalists say we should only speak if it's to share right? If what you're going to say is not sharing yeah. anything with anyone, don't say it. Right. Right. Um, so it, 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 I've it, also heard, we have heard of another, something similar, another quote, and it's about, you know, if you are going to say something, it should be constructive to the other person. It should be of value, right? Absolutely. So not just sharing, but like it should do something to uplift them or do something for them. And I think that's kind of also what you were getting at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it has to be for the sake of sharing, for the sake of helping. Otherwise, you know, like, why are we opening our mouths? And we all do this, by the way. I, I'm not saying that I'm like some perfected being who's reached that point where, you know, um, you know, I, I don't say things that I don't have to. Um, but, you know, that that is the goal, right? Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about Kabbalah, uh, Ria, now that we've kind of started on that subject. And also another thing is I totally resonate with your, um, the, the language you use consciousness, that it's about our consciousness, right? So can you also break down that idea of consciousness? Do you mean also intention? And so our listeners can kind of understand it better from that Kabbalah point of view. Yeah. So me, when I say consciousness, yes, I am talking a lot about the intent, the intention, what, what is in your heart and what is your purpose when you say or do something, right? Um, so, you know, what is Kabbalah? Kabbalah is this universal spiritual wisdom, which has been around for about 5,000 years. And it actually, the wisdom actually predates um, any religion. Um, so it's, it's open to anyone and everyone who has the desire to, to study it. Um, a lot of people ask if it's, you know, if it's Judaism or if it's a form of Judaism and they look very similar. And the reason for that is because Judaism is the first religion to actually take from Kabbalistic learnings and turn it into a religion. Now, you know, I, I think you've been living in the Philippines long enough to know that, you know, there's not a lot of Jews here, right? Uh, they were really like a Catholic country, um, you know, with a, with a Muslim minority, but 
this wisdom has been so attractive to Filipinos because I think number one, Filipinos are naturally spiritual, right? And it's very, it's, it's so universal. And, um, you know, because it's, it's not a religion, you know, if, if you're part of a religion, you kind of have to take it all, you know, hook, line and sinker. Right. Um, but you know, this, this is a wisdom you choose how you, how you want to apply it in your life and how you, how you use it and, you know, how deep you want to go with it. So I think that's what, one of the things that makes it attractive to people, because, you know, you, you can take what you want, take what's useful to you. If something is not useful to you, it doesn't work for you. You don't have to use that particular tool or, or concept um, in your life. But basically what Kabbalah is, is um, it's the spiritual rules of the universe, right? So it doesn't matter what color, creed, age, religion, or nationality you are. The spiritual rules of the universe apply to everyone, right? Um, and, you know, in, in Kabbalah, we, you know, we say that, okay, life is a game. How do you win a game? You need to know the rules. If you don't know the rules and you don't know how it works, how can you possibly win? And, and that's basically Kabbalah in a very, very small nutshell. It gives us an understanding of how energy in the world moves and, and our purpose in the world. So when you have that sort of zoomed out big picture, um, it helps you make sense of a lot of things. I love how you explained it, especially the concept of like how if you're playing a game, you need to know the rules. And if you know the rules, you play the game better. So I love that. And I think that's a very easy way for people to understand and relate to Kabbalah. Now, I just wanted to share a little bit of my perspective and understanding um, and, you know, see if that that resonates with you as well. So I've noticed that with every religion in the world, there is kind of the more religious, ritualistic aspect of it. And then there's a more spiritual side of it. So if I look at like Hinduism, Hinduism is the religion. And then like the Kama Sutra for example, is the more spiritual arm of it. Or um, yoga would be the other more spiritual aspect of Hinduism. Same thing with like um, Islam, right? So there's the Muslim religion, but then there's Sufism, which is part of it, but it's the more spiritual side of it. And often there are some significant differences in how the spirituality is, is practiced between the religious aspect of it and the more spiritual. And so you know, I look at, at Kabbalah as like, yes, it is, you know, kind of connected to Judaism, but it is the more spiritual side of it. So would you agree with that, that there's kind of this spiritual and religious aspect of most of our cultures? And most people tend to follow the religious path. But I would say in this whole new age shift, there's been a lot of interest and sort of reconnection with the more spiritual perspective and understanding. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, you know, like most Filipinos, I grew up Catholic. I'm, I still consider myself Catholic, but, um, you know, it, it's not a religion that I felt very, very deeply for, you know, I didn't, um, it didn't resonate with me so, so, so deeply. Um, and if I felt like it has a lot of, it leaves a lot of things unanswered. Right. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is like dogma that you're kind of like stuffed with when you're a kid. Um, you know, I remember when my daughter um, was was in school and she had this assignment and basically it was like, um, you know, she had to color in this poster and it said, and they had to write the words, Jesus died for our sins, right? And she was five. I'm not disputing that. 
that Jesus died for our sins. But what on earth could that mean for a five-year-old, right? That's a lot. That's a lot to put on a child. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? There's no way she could have wrapped her head around that. Um, and, you know, that's how I've felt a lot, even in my adult life, right, about... Um, some of the teachings I was raised with. And actually the gift of Kabbalah was it helped me understand my religion better. Right. I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. So that's why, you know, they, they say that or they do that, or that's what they're trying to say. And you know what I mean? It just sort of illuminated it for me. And, um, you know, a lot of people were saying like, Oh, you know, that that's going to conflict, right? How are you going to stay Catholic and do Kabbalah? But if you really study both, they're, they're not in conflict at all. And, and Kabbalah yeah. has sort of strengthened my understanding of, of Catholic teachings. Now, before we get to the next question, we're going to be right back after this short break. The fun thing about this whole online setup is that we get to meet new people and learn new things all from the comfort of our home. Learning new things with Globe Prepaid's GoPlus99 is as easy as scrolling through your social media. With just 99 pesos, you can now access YouTube Learning, Google Suite, Canva, and other educational sites for seven days. Go Plus 99 with Go Learn, and you get a total of 16 GB of data. That's 8 GB to browse sites for what you need, and 8 GB of data for apps that you love. You also get unlimited text to all networks valid for seven days. To register, grab your mobile phones now and head on to the Globe One app, Gcash, or just dial star 143 pound on your phone. With Globe Prepaid, learning is easier, stress-free, and better. You know, I completely agree with what you said, Ria, because a lot of my students also do get into meditation and different kinds of sort of energy healing, alternative healing, theta healing, and so on. And they always say this is that getting into spirituality, sort of the spiritual path and understanding and reading and learning brought them closer to their idea of God and, and help them to kind of process and understand their religion better. So I do think it's not like we're really going away from religion, but we're finding a way to understand our religion better, but also looking at things from a less dualistic point of view, which I think where religion has kind of settled itself is that kind of wrong or right, bad or good. Whereas in spirituality, it is sort of more about love and compassion and understanding and learning and lessons. And there's a, a lot more of a, I would say, um, a, a more, a, a better focus on the self, the self-improvement, the self-growth. Um, so I'm glad we're saying this on the podcast, Ria, because I think a lot of listeners are confused about that. You know, they're like, well, if I go into healing and meditation, is that going to take me away from religion? Am I being disloyal? Am I going to, you know, am I going to be punished for this? So I love what you're saying and that we're kind of highlighting this as something very important for anyone to understand. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to add Go ahead. something to that. So I said yeah. earlier that Filipinos are naturally very spiritual, but Filipinos can also be naturally very religious, right? And and me, when I think of religion, um, and you know, this, this isn't meant to offend anyone, but when I think of religion, it's sort of like doing ritualistic things in a sort of robotic way, because it's what's always been done. It's what everybody around me does. So I'm just going to do it, 
right? Filipinos are also very attracted to that. Um, and, you know, the thing about rituals, I have nothing against them. Some of them I absolutely love, but they can become religious. And sometimes the problem is, um, you know, people can focus on the ritual and then it becomes very external and they feel like, well, I'm doing something good because I'm doing this ritual, but it, you know, it, it's only skin deep because so, you know, that ritual, whatever it might be really only comes alive. If you're doing some kind of internal process and working on yourself and understanding why you're doing that ritual in the first place. Right. So for me, if you put those two things together, it's so powerful, but you need to have both. Right. Right. So what you're talking about is really having the mindfulness coming in that we aren't just doing something, you know, that's empty, but that our entire mind, our energy, our understanding is there in what we're doing. And that's actually what happened to me, Ria, is as a child, I questioned a lot of things that were taken for granted, a lot of things that other people were doing and my parents were doing. And uh, not only did I question it, I challenged it. And that's how my own journey and search began. Um, but, and, and so it's very inherent in my culture too. There's a lot of ritual. So what do you think is, it is about the Filipino culture or the people that makes them kind of opt for the, the ritual expression of religion instead of delving deeper into the, the concept, the ideas, the, you know, intention behind it? Right. Well, for one thing, you know, the ritual, um, religion, it's culture, right? The, the Philippines, are, it's almost one and the same, right? Because religion right. is so embedded in the culture. So that's one thing. Agreed. The other thing is, um, you know, Filipinos like to conform, right? Well, everybody else is doing it. Let's just do it, right? It can't be bad if everybody's doing it. So let's just do that. And yeah. it's been done for ages. The other thing is, um, you know, to, let's say, go to mass, right? Again, absolutely nothing wrong with going to mass. But some people think, okay, well, that's all I need to do. I did my thing for the week, right? And right. then they leave and then they just going around the rest of the week with very little consciousness or intention or self-mastery, right? Because again, like I said, the ritual can some can be something so external, but you know, it can fool the person into thinking, well, I've, I've done enough. I've done my bit, right? And look, doing the ritual is 10 times easier than working on ourselves, right? Working on ourselves is like, it's so much harder, so much harder. Yeah. I think a lot of us also, we want to do it the easy way and not take the responsibility sometimes because change is hard sometimes, or change may require you to do things or see things that you are kind of hiding from. So I do see the tendency of people to focus more on the ritual and think that that makes them a good person or that makes them, you know, doing what they, what they should do. Um, but then they complain about not getting the desired results. So then, you know, I guess that that's the thing that a lot of people are starting to grapple with, that it's not as simple as doing the ritual because life doesn't change. Life doesn't get better. You know, you actually have to go in and do the work. Um, so yeah, totally. What were the teachings, Ria, about or in Kabbalah that appealed to you? What was it that you um, were attracted to or you felt yourself gravitating towards? Wow, that's a good question because there's a lot. Um, I think it would be when I started studying Kabbalah, it gave me a sense of empowerment um, in that I none of us have to accept life as it is, 
right? Because we are the writer, producer, director, actor in our the personal movies of our lives, right? Things don't necessarily happen to us, right? I mean, they do, right? I'm not saying that we have every single thing under our control, but what we have control of, of course, is our reaction to the external. And that's something that we can master if we work hard enough um, on ourselves. And, and that felt really empowering to me um, because, you know, when when I found Kabbalah, I was sort of in a place in my life where I felt um, just general dissatisfaction, you know, um, I've always, I always tell people this. I was like, you know, I I married my college sweetheart, had a nice career, um, had a super adorable baby and it looked so good outside. And I'm not even saying it was bad, but I'm just like, this is it. (laughs) And I'd feel really bad for thinking that because I had so much of what I knew other people wish they had, but there was like, I'm like, there's gotta be more, you know, like what is going on? Um, and Kabbalah really helped me understand what I, what I needed to do to have a greater sense of fulfillment. Um, and a lot, a lot, a lot of that comes from working on yourself. It's not about advancing your career or having more babies or having more money or whatever. It's, it's so much of our internal work and and personal growth. And so much of that is honestly something people don't see. Right. They don't see, they don't understand. And honestly, unless you want to share, it's really none of their business. But having that understanding that I had so much to work on in myself um, was really empowering and and brought so much more understanding and, and joy to my life. So as you learned more um, about sort of the the rules of life, the rules of the universe, as you started to work on yourself more, what did you see happen in your world? What was the the result or the outcome? Um, Wow. You have to ask the people around me. (laughs) Because it's really hard to gauge yourself sometimes, right? But I think it made me a little less angry and a little less entitled, right? Because Kabbalah also um, emphasizes the need to work for our blessings, right? Um, And I realized, well, you know, how I don't have X because I'm not doing Y, right? And it's nobody's fault except mine, right? If I want a better relationship, if I want a better income, if I want better health, then that's on me, right? Um, to, to, to make that happen. And a lot of the times that we feel blocked is because of our ego, um, our selfishness, our reactivity, um, you know, the easiest, best, best um, sort of, what do you call it? Expedient thing to do is blame other people, right? Blame the parents, blame the spouse, blame the boss, um, because then it relieves us of all accountability and all responsibility, right? But again, that's not how the universe works. The responsibility is completely ours. We have to own what we do. We have to own what happens to us, even if what happens to us, by the way, is not our fault. It's in our lives. It's in our movie for a reason. And, And something in that is pushing us to change and pushing us to transform. Was it difficult for you, Ria, to kind of look at things from that perspective, to take the ownership? Or was it something that, you know, once you started to understand the concept, the the wisdom of the of the Kabbalah, like did, did it come naturally or was it 
very, very difficult. I think, you know, a lot of students who come to Kabbalah, they have what we call the Kabbalah honeymoon, right? Um, where this wisdom is so amazing and life-changing and I just change a little bit and I see a big change in my life and it's so amazing and I love it. Um, and, you know, like all honeymoons, they don't last forever. And I think as you develop more spiritually, you have to work harder to see a change. You have to work harder to see a blessing or a miracle. So I would say in the beginning, it was actually pretty easy, right? It's, you know, when you're a student for many, many years, it's, it's, it's harder because your, your capacity is greater. So the work you need to do is more, right? Um, but I've seen, you know, Kabbalah, improve my life over the years, you know, again and again, which is not to say there weren't moments where I'm like, I'm doing this and I'm working hard and I'm working on my this and that and nothing's changing. I haven't seen a miracle, right? But then again, that's just our ego uh, regaining its, its sense of entitlement. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right. And so that's why I, I see that happening also with, with some of my um, clients and students is like you said, you know, there's that excitement because so many things are happening for them, but then after a while they get very comfortable with it too. And they start to think, okay, well, I'm done, you know, and now it's going to be just a smooth ride forever. And then they fall off the wagon, which, you know, they end up digging a hole and then they got to climb back out of it. So I guess just like anything, you know, this is, we, we have to look at it as a constant work in progress, a constant journey of, of um, growing and, and um, sort of understanding, you know, what is going on at any given time is really then there for our personal growth, for the best of our, um, ourselves. Wow. Now for, for you, Ria, was it difficult for people around you? to see you change? Was it difficult for them to kind of, you know, grasp that you had this new um, passion or that you were committed to some, to a different practice? Was it difficult on the people you love? Okay. I call my husband and <laughs> we'll get <him> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it was a, a bit difficult for them, you know, like, um, Kabbalah uses astrology, right? And, and I'm a Gemini and Geminis are known to be pretty flighty. And for them, they're like, okay, just give her a couple of months, guys. She's going to, she's going to get bored with it. Um, but that didn't happen. And, um, and of course there was this fear of my family that I was going to leave my religion and like, you know, um, but I really felt from the get go that this was something so important and something so essential in my life. Um, and yeah, it took a couple of years, but afterwards, you know, everyone was like, uh, okay, it's, it's just what she does. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that's sort of like the short story version, right? Um, right. But, 
but yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, there were little things that they, you know, they couldn't understand. Right. I'm, I changed the way I eat and they're like, Oh, but you used to eat pork and you used to eat shellfish and you're just not going to eat it anymore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you know, little, little things like that. Um, but then after a while, you know, they're like, Oh, I made fish for you. Cause you know, I know that you don't eat the other stuff. So it's actually like really sweet. Like my family and my extended family, they take that into consideration now. So they changed around you as well. Yeah. Again, that's another Kabbalistic teaching, you know, um, if you want the people around you to change, you have to change first. Right. It's yeah. like, it's like probably the most tiring thing in the world to wish someone else to change, right? You wish them to change. You tell them to change. You tell them how to change. And, and that, it doesn't work. But, you know, so many of us, we keep doing that, keep doing that. And it's just, it's exhausting. But if you want to see yeah. people around you change, change something about yourself. You know, some people will like it. And trust me, some people won't. But then you'll know who the universe wants you to keep around. Right. Right. I think that was the most powerful lesson when I started my own um, spiritual path was realizing that, you know, everything was up to me to change, that it wasn't outside of me. And that if I started to work on myself, then everything around me from people, situations, opportunities, you know, they were shifting right along with me. Yeah. And um, I think that was the most empowering moment of my life. To, to understand and see that actually playing out in my life. But I also think that people are afraid of responsibility. You know, people are afraid to actually have that much control in their, in their life. And I think that's why it's also easier going back to our conversation about religion and ritual and that kind of practice to just do the practices, but not take ownership of everything else, you know, give somebody else the power um, whether it's the priest or, you know, it's your religious uh, leader or it's your community, whatever it may be. So from your experience with all of this, Ria, what would you say to someone who is kind of at that point of maybe a, a little fearful of of changing themselves, their lives, of taking that power into their own hands? What would you say to them based on your own experiences with that? Yeah, I, I certainly felt that at the start. You know, um, there's a wonderful book by Karen Berg, who um, was the co-director of the Kabbalah Center before she passed away. Um, and Karen wrote a book called God Wears Lipstick. And this book talks about um, women's role in spirituality, which, by the way, is huge. Right. So when I read it, my first reaction was, I don't want the responsibility right? I shape the energy of my home. I shape the energy of my husband. I help my husband manifest whatever he manifests. I like, I'm like, it's too much. Right. Um, but at the same time, as you said, it was incredibly, incredibly empowering. Um, and you know, there, there is a saying and, and our teacher, the Rav Berg, who was also the spiritual director of the Kabbalah center before the Rav passed away, the Rav used to say, um, change is what happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of changing. Right. And so many, mm. many times we don't change until we oh, have God. to. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's up to you. You know, you can be proactive. You can wait for the universe to really needle you before you change or you can do it proactively. And that is a slightly less painful path a slightly less uncomfortable path, right? Because as you said, change is always uncomfortable, whatever you do, but you can make right. the process a little more 
uh, merciful if you choose it rather than being pushed to do it. Right. It's like somebody, if, if they get sick, God forbid, like they need this whole process of getting sick in order for them to realize, oh, I need to take better care of myself. Right. But yeah. if you take care of yourself proactively, even before you get sick, then you achieve the same thing without having gone through that really painful process. Right. And that's why we say, you know, like when I'm working with with people, it's like, what are you getting out of this really negative situation? Because that's what's keeping you in it. And until you learn what you need to, you're going to have that situation persist. Yeah. But if you're done and if you're, you know, you don't need to be pushed into a corner to have to figure this out or learn this, then you can free yourself and you can kind of move forward. And I think just our human brain, you know, we're all maybe inherently like procrastinators. Like we want to, <laughs> we want to wait till like, we have no choice, you know, yeah. until there's like crunch time or we're just so uncomfortable. And then we'll take that step forward, which yeah. would have been easier if we kind of, you know, just went with the flow and kind of listened to, to the universe or to, to these powerful tools that are there for us, like um, the wisdom of the Kabbalah. Yeah. There was so much to process and think about from this episode with Rhea that I decided to turn it into two separate episodes. This episode focuses on Rhea's thoughts about life being a game as we discuss some of the spiritual laws of the universe, while the next episode will talk a lot more about Kabbalah. A point Rhea made is something I really want to drive home from this episode. She said that if you want the people around you to change, you have to change first. This is one of the most liberating and important lessons that I have learned, and I hope you take this to heart. The responsibility and accountability is entirely ours. And if that thought makes you feel even a little bit of fear, then change that thought. And remember that this makes you so powerful. Post what stood out for you from this episode, tagging at Project Loving Myself Podcast and Aunt Sanaya Kurnamal. Subscribe and give me some love too. A quote for today's episode. If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And this is Nikola Tesla. You are loved. This is Sanaya signing off from Project Loving Myself, brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and powered by Podmetrics. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.